Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode three of the Stand Up Tragedy podcast. If you've listened to our last two episodes, then you'll know we're a live variety night where we get our favourite performers to stand up on stage and do tragedy. We've had poets, comedians, storytellers and musicians, and that's just this year. Our first live event of the year was on the 18th of January at the Hackney Attic, where we tried to make you laugh until you cry and cry until you laugh. Sometimes it takes a comedian to help us laugh at our tragedies by sharing their own. That's exactly what stand-up Timandra Harkness did when she told our Hackney Attic audience about her problems with friends and their relationship. You, you, you'll have guessed from the notebook that some of this is, is very new. Uh, so, but I can't read my own handwriting, so it's, it's entirely fictitious. I, I, I would love to say I'm going to lift the mood, but I, I, is anyone having a good start to 2013? Yeah, yeah. oh, good, thank God, because honestly, my friends are having such bad starts the year that when I talk to someone and they go, oh, I've got a cold and I'm skint and I've got a huge tax bill, I go, thank God, thank God it's only that! No, and it's, it's, it's just, it's like an emotional massacre, my friends', my friends lives. I, two of my friends are suddenly, unexpectedly single, not by choice. Uh, it got so bad um, that before Christmas, I was rather drunk, and uh, another couple were visiting who are long-standing friends of mine, been together for ages. I was so drunk, I hugged them both as they left and went, you're not going to split up, are you? Say you'll stay together. I, I, yeah, I'm sorry, that's just not even funny, it's just true. And I, had to, I had to wake up in the morning and go, I really did that, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. But they haven't got any kids, somebody had to do it. Uh, I, I, don't normally, I don't normally do material about relationships, because they say, you know, write about what you know. And No, no, it's, I do have relationships, I have relationships, but I'm a bit like most people are with cars, you know, as long as it's going well. You don't pull over to the side of the road and look under the bonnet and see what keeps it running, do you? No. And so I'm, I'm like that with relationships. It's, it's only when they do start to break down that you get out of the old one as fast as you can and into another one that's going better. <laughs> Come on, we've all done it. Is it our fault if somebody collides with the wreckage? No. No. Uh, so... Yeah, it did, yeah, that really... Is. Oh, OK, I'm not that bad. I do know that, like... Like cars, relationships need a bit of maintenance. You know, regular lubrication. Check the thickness of the rubber now and then. Change the plugs every six months. See, (laughs) I wasn't sure whether that was too dated. Younger people in the room, there was a time when plugs were something you put into a car because they provided the spark in the carburettor. Yeah. Now there's something your mother reads about on the train as some guy puts them up some woman's ass. <laughs> How times have changed. Uh, yeah, but no, I do know you need to do maintenance for a relationship. You know, paint over the knocks with rust restricting paint. And No, okay, that was the cars. Uh, yeah, so I do know that much, but I'm not really that good. And I'm not very good when my friends break up. I don't really know what to do to help. I'm, my mother says I think like a bloke, and it's true, really. <laughs> Women. Um, it, no, but it's true. It, so when people break up, and I go, oh, uh, I, I kind of give them like a little manly punch on the arm and buy them a beer, and I, I, just, I just don't know what to do. I'm, I'm a bit hopeless, really. I, I, 
I'm so hopeless that uh, when I have a friend who's an attractive guy that I've known for ages and you know, he rings up and says, oh, my wife has just left me unexpectedly. I go, oh, okay, right. So you know, I go around, I give him the, the manly punch on the arm, buy him a beer. And, he, and he's sitting there and, and going, oh, I don't know. I, she just, she's apparently she's been seeing someone for ages and she just walked out and, you know, it's all over. And I go, oh, how could she do that? You know, you're so nice and attractive and funny and lovely. And I'm actually sitting there thinking, you know, and you're a bit vulnerable now. So if anything, you're even more attractive. I'm thinking, you, you know, God, he must be feeling at a really low ebb now. He's really vulnerable. He's... You know, he's, his self-esteem is shot. He's feeling really unattractive. He's on the rebound. The last thing he needs is some woman hitting on him. So I give him a box of hankies and I go home. I know, idiot, idiot. I wouldn't do that now. Now, he ring, I'd, I'd be straight round there with you know, six bottles of wine and the Rohypnol, frankly. <laughs> but that's, that is how bad I am. I'm so bad that when my friend says to me, oh God, it's, it's awful, it's, like, it's so unexpected, we've been together for 10 years, and he just rings up and says it's all over. It's like, it's like he's died, except in a way it's worse because... You know, when somebody dies, they're not deliberately rejecting you. And I go, well, well, no, I mean, it's, you know, okay, it's in, in the short term, I, I think she's got a point. And, and I go, well, well, yeah, but, you know, unless, of course, it's suicide, because then it's kind of, you know, it is absolutely final. They're gone and you'll never see them again. But they've also deliberately done it to you uh, as the kind of final selfish act of, well, there's going to be no apology, no reconciliation, and I definitely have the last word. Well, it's true, though, isn't it? I mean, it's, I, I do think, obviously, people, as we've just heard, people attempt suicide in extremists, but there is something very selfish about it because you're going, right, you know, I'm doing this, and I'm off, and you've got all the guilt and the grief, and you're never going to be able to ask me why I did it. I'm off, out of here. And some people, for some people, even that's not enough. They have to actually then go, okay, I hate you all, and it's really unfair, but I'm not going to just kill myself. No, I'm going you know, to make more of a mark. I want my death to affect other people's lives, and I want, I want it to hit the news. Yeah, I'm talking about the person under the train. <laughs> Isn't, is that a peculiarly British thing, though? Because you think, an, an American, it's like if you've got a, an angry, petulant, hurting teenager in America, they go, I hate you all, it's so unfair, and I'm going to kill myself, but I'm going to take some of you with me. And they get some guns, and they shoot lots of innocent people, and they wait for the police to come in and kill them, and they call it suicide by cop. It's a, it's a recognised thing. But in this country, they go, I, I, I hate you all, it's so unfair, and I'm going to kill myself, but I'm going to make millions of you up to an hour late for work. And you'll feel it's too churlish to say that I'm selfish because I've just killed myself. Ha! It's British, it's British, it's passive-aggressive right to the end. And with hindsight, I shouldn't have said all this to my friend who'd just been dumped. <laughs> but you live and learn, don't you? Uh, so I have lived and learned. So, for example, when she said... Yeah, when, when I talked to her, I'm trying to come for her, I, 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 I don't say, well... Yes, at the moment, you're really hurting, you're heartbroken, you feel that your life is over, you, you feel worthless and unlovable, and you struggle to get out of bed in the morning, and you have that awful moment where you wake up, and you've forgotten that you should be sad, and then it comes back to you like a concrete block on the chest, but you, what you don't know is it's also increasing your chance of dying. I don't say that, you see, I'm learning, I'm learning, I don't say that. It is unfortunately true. They, they have done studies that single people 
especially people who just split up with someone, are more likely to die. They... I know, I know, as if life wasn't bad enough. But, but you see, I'm learning. I didn't, I didn't say this to her. I didn't say this. So I am getting better, guys, and women, and people. Mum, mum! See, I'm not really a bloke. I'm getting better. Uh, but yeah, it is true. They did this study. They got 45,000 people uh, who had heart problems, and they followed them for four years. They didn't, like, stalk them. It wasn't like, I know, let's get 45,000 people with heart problems and stalk them and see how many of them die. Amusing, though, that would be. That would never get through the ethics committee. No, no, they, they followed them medically. They followed them to see what happened to them. And they found that the ones that lived on their own, um, this is, a, I, think, I think the worst, the most in the, the group who were most affected by living alone were the 45 to 60-year-olds. <laughs> see, I can remember figures. <laughs> Why does my mum say I'm like a bloke? <laughs> Women. Um, no, the 45 to 60-year-olds they were 24% more likely to die if they lived on their own than if they lived with... You know, it didn't have to be a partner. It could be a flatmate or somebody. But, but if you lived on your own, you're more likely to die. Uh, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yes, Tamandra, but the 45 to 60 age group statistically is still quite unlikely to die. So even though your relative chance of dying goes up by 24%, it's still not that significant. That's what you were thinking, wasn't it? Yes. You're my people. Uh, this is, honestly, I'm still not really used to performing without a whiteboard to draw graphs on. That's, yeah, you think I'm joking. That bit's true. Uh, but, and they, you know, and they did another study. They, they, they studied people over 60. So there's an age group where, you know, there is actually a measurable chance that you're going to die because hardly anybody dies before the age of 65. 1911, 63% of us were dead before the age of 65. That's why they didn't have a pensions crisis then. Nobody lived to draw one. Uh, now there's only a one in ten chance that, um, that, I, that I'll be dead before I get to the age of 65. It's a pity I haven't got a pension, because the nine in ten chance I'll need one. But there you go. Uh, so, yeah, so they followed, um, they followed another grunt, grunch, grunch. Grunch. What's a, a, a grunch? It's a scientific term for um, a group of people being studied and followed home. They, they took a grunge of people over 60 and, uh, and they followed them medically for 10 years and, uh, and they found that, and they asked them at the start of the study, they, they asked them if they ever felt lonely and they found at the end of the study, people who'd said they felt lonely were 45% more likely to die than the people who hadn't said they were lonely. This is this after 10 years. What's really worrying is two thirds of the people who said they were lonely were married or in a relationship. Yeah. You, you can kind of guess how much help I am to my, my friends who are recently single. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's not good for you being on your own. And in fact, uh, it's, it's especially bad for guys. Um, so take a, take a random guy in the room. You, you sir. You, you, sir, in the light-coloured collar. I can't really see that much from here. In the light-coloured collar, let's take you as an example. Now, do you smoke? No, you don't smoke. That's good. Uh, if you smoked, your chance of dying in the next seven years would go up by 5%. Are you single? No. That's also good because if you were single, even, you know, even though you don't fall into the really dangerous age, if you were single, your chance of dying in the next seven years would go up by 6%. So it's actually more dangerous, guys, to be single than to smoke. Yeah, I'm telling you this... I'm telling you this for altruistic reasons, 
Because for women, the stats are different. Yeah. See, I don't smoke. If I took up smoking, my chance of dying in the next seven years would go up by 6%, more dangerous. But if I got married, because I am single, uh, if I got married, my chance of dying would only go down by 3%. See, so it wouldn't be enough. If I wanted to start smoking, it wouldn't be enough for me to get married to counteract the risk. No. I'd have to commit bigamy. Just for medical reasons. <laughs> but finally, uh, the, other, the other thing that is dangerous about being single and being reasonably, recently dumped, and again, I'm not telling my friends this, because although I'm insensitive, I'm, I'm not that insensitive, uh, is that, in fact, having sex also protects you from dying. And I have just printed off the, uh, the summary of this study because it's that good. Some of you may have heard of this before. It's the... Caffili cohort study. I should warn you, if anybody likes Caffili cheese, you will never be able to think of it in the same way again. <laughs> this is a paper from the British Medical Journal, 1997. Sex and death, are they related? Findings from the Caffili cohort study. Uh, I, I'll give you the citation if anybody wants it later. Uh, abstract. Objective. To examine the relation between frequency of orgasm and mortality. I don't know why I bother writing jokes, really. <laughs> I'm just reading this out. Study design, cohort study with a 10-year follow-up. See, that didn't get a laugh, did it? Uh, setting, the town of Caffili, South Wales, and five adjacent villages. Subjects, 918 men, aged 45 to 59 at time of recruitment between 1979 and 1983. I'm going to make a mark which, these, which of these lines gets a laugh. Main outcome measures, all deaths and deaths from coronary heart disease. See, it's getting a bit tense now because you want to find out what the answer is, isn't it? All the, all the men, especially now, are sitting there and going, what is it? Should we have more or fewer? More <laughs> or fewer? Anybody in this room who wants the numbers isn't going to tolerate the word less. I can tell that. <laughs> oh, yeah, my whiteboard people. Uh, okay, so here it is. Result. Oh, a tense silence in the room. Mortality risk was 50% lower in the group with high orgasmic frequency than in the group with low orgasmic frequency with evidence of a dose-response relation across the groups. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, if we draw a graph, the more orgasms, the less likely you are to die in a straight line. Uh, I could give you the age-adjusted odds ratio, but, uh, but, yeah, basically, conclusion, sexual activity seems to have a protective effect on men's health. And you'll notice that they only studied men in this, and I wondered why that was, and I realised, of course, it's much harder. If you're, going, if you're basing it on number of orgasms, it's much harder with women, because for a woman, it is much easier to bring an unsatisfying sexual encounter to, uh, to an early conclusion by faking death. So there you are. I hope your 2013 shapes up better than most of my friends. That's all I'm saying. Thank you. Timandra went down brilliantly with our audience. Were they laughing more than they were crying? Let's find out. <laughs> I definitely laughed more than I cried. I cried until I've laughed. I think I laugh when I cry, but I'm a bit like that. 
I've learned the importance of a high orgasmic frequency for my mortality. <laughs> the highlight, I would have to say the comedy that leaks into tragedy that brings you back up. We're a big supporter of Tim Andrew's stand-up tragedy, especially her live talks about science. You can watch some of those talks and some improvised comedy shows and stuff she took up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival on YouTube just by searching Timandra Harkness. T-I-M-A-N-D-R-A Harkness. And there's so much more that she has. Journalism, all sorts of stuff on her website. www.timandraharkness.com To find out more about Stand Up Tragedy, follow our Twitter feed at Stand Up For Tragedy or become our friend on Facebook. We release an episode of our podcast every Friday and next week we'll bring you another completely different performer from our Hackney Attic Night. You can easily subscribe to our podcast using SoundCloud, through iTunes or by downloading the Stitcher Smart Radio app to your smartphone. All of this information and more can be found on our website, www.standuptragedy.co.uk. But best of all, I'd like to invite all of our listeners to come along and share the tragedy and be our audience for our next live event at the Dogstar in Brixton on Thursday the 28th of March. Until then, the tragedy is over. This podcast was produced by Bryony Hawkins and recorded by Stephen Harvey.